right, so this is our live from Prague Power two weeks ago episode. Uh, my guests are Kyle and Roderick Rose. Uh, they are my good longtime Prague Power friends uh, and metal enthusiasts. Uh, so I flew out to Atlanta on Wednesday at 9 a.m. And uh, if you don't know me, 9 a.m. is a really awkward time because I'm usually going to bed at about four or sometimes five in the morning. So I figured, you know, I'd pretty much just stay up. Uh, I was up for a good 48 hours, I guess. And then I got some sleep, but then this was recorded the next day. So I was still kind of massively behind. So I think I chugged a Red Bull before we recorded and the combination of sleep deprivation and Red Bull is why it sounds like I invited everyone over to record a podcast and then, you know, didn't share my meth with anybody. So if I sound a little cracked out or whatever. But we still had a lovely conversation and you will learn many things you might not know about the Prague Power Festival unless you go to it, in which case you might already know. Because this was recorded on Thursday night, of the Wednesday to Saturday period that is the Prague Power Festival, uh, we were not able to discuss the actual Friday-Saturday Prague Power main event uh, performances, but there will be another episode coming where I go over some of the highlights of that with uh, Rich and Eric back in New York, so uh, that'll be coming as well. But for now, if you want to hear about the history of Prague Power and sort of uh, where we, how we see metal through the Prague Power lens, uh, then this is what you get. Okay, so Prague Power started in... Uh, 2001? Yeah, 2001. Yeah, 2001 in, I think, February in Chicago. And I, I heard about it, and I wanted to go. I heard about it on the Symphony X bailing list, uh, The Edge of Forever. and uh, But it was 21 and up, and I was not 21. I was 20 and a half. And yeah, so I, I emailed. I was, but it was like Symphony X. I wasn't even into Pain of Salvation, but I still knew they were like kind of going to be a, a deal. So, but Symphony X was playing, and I think Evergrey might have played the first one too, or somebody. I don't know. It was, it was a good lineup. So I was, and I was in Milwaukee or Madison. So I was, you know, regionally close. So I was, I was trying to go, but they were like, nope, sorry. I was like, is there anything I can do? Can I like sign a thing saying I won't drink? <laughs> like I didn't, no, I, I didn't start drinking until I was like 22. So I had no interest in anything other than seeing metal bands. But uh, yeah, they, they were like, no. And that so, was that was because of JJ Kelly's right, venue. right. So then six months later, uh, they they do the second one in Atlanta. <laughs> I'm 21 now, and so I'm like, I'm going, and they're like, and it's all ages, but it doesn't matter. You all come. <laughs> <laughs> or it might have been 18 up, whatever. But either way, I was like, oh, yeah, so. So anyway. unlike me, you actually knew about the first Prague Power and would have gone. Yes. Had it not been for the yes. age restriction. Exactly. Yeah. Had your parents not had sex six months earlier. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but, so the, what was the, what was the first one you went to? Prague Power 2. Okay, so you were at 2. Uh, so yeah, 2 was really, really awesome. It was, uh, <clears throat> I mean, we don't have to. Be 100% accurate on the uh, who played or whatever, 
I don't want to take the time to look up like every lineup and stuff. Well, I can actually, it's all on one Wikipedia page, so I can just pull it up. Okay, well, you can do that if you feel like it. Uh, uh, <laughs> I we'll like do the to, best we can. I like a loose format on the podcast. I like to yeah. uh, to say, you know, like, I may be wrong about this. You can feel free to cor- correct me, and I'll, uh, well, I'll, I'll say just, you were right on another podcast. Yeah, and I'll just, I'll just put it this way, that I can never remember who played in any particular year without looking at the lineup, yeah. except if it was like last year. Yeah, I, I I used to have a really clear memory the first few years, but now it's more like, uh, I mean, I think I can break down like the first three or four I went to, at least like the highlights. So like... That's more or less how I feel too. Yeah. So Everything else blends together. Yeah. Prog Power, Prog Power 2 was a ridiculous lineup though. The, very, the first one I went to was... Because uh, even the openers were like zero hour, right? So the opener just meant like, oh, a band that's too technical to like have a huge audience. Oh, well, so they just go first, you know? So that it was, was like, actually Prog Power 3. <laughs> really? Yeah. I thought Zero Hour opened the second one. No. Who opened the, got, somebody good opened even so, the second uh, one. Opened. So Superior, oh, wait, that is an actual Bounce list. Power. Oh, Superior, yeah. Superior. Yeah. Oh, man, the first one. Okay, I'm, I am going gonna, gonna to read all these. Okay, so Superior, Balance of Power. Uh, which was the last time I listened to uh, one of Lance King's bands. Uh, Nightingale, uh, which is Dan Swano, who's like known for Swedish death metal stuff. Spiral Architect. Spiral Architect, that's what I'm thinking of. Because Zero Hour was the Spiral Architect of number three. Right. They filled the uh, super crazy. And then there were no other bands like that. So it never happened again. Uh, yeah, well, the problem is that the that the amphitheater was empty for both bands, pretty much. Right. But that wasn't because of them. That was... There was no, like, th- even now, like, even if there's moderate interest in the first band, so many people are so into the fest that there's still enough people there. Like, I've seen opening sure. bands be like, you guys all wanted to hear us? And some people are like, <laughs> yeah, sure, if you say so. Well, I mean, but, you know. I do now. I also want to be clear that, that prog metal fans, by and large, have bad taste. They send. They tend to. They well, tend to, to to like the same crappy sounding bands and, and be and like, "Oh my god, it's another Dream Theater right. clone." Well, and in a Sweet. weird right, and in a weird way, I was almost going the opposite way, which is in a weird way, it's almost to their credit that like prog metal fans are interested enough to like they will check out every band that's on the lineup. They're like, "I'm going to see this band." But I figured, you know, I'll check out these other bands, too. And, oh, it's kind of the same stuff, whatever. I mean, all of it, though. So they, by the time they get here, they might even be into the first band. They might be like, I want to see them now because I listen to them. And because uh, the festival is now bigger than most of the bands that play it. Who That's haven't already right. been playing yeah. it for, like, 10 years or whatever. So. Right, which is kind of the thing we'll come to eventually, which is the significance and the, 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 the crazy arc of the festival. Because so the original thing, again, I'm going to like, uh, pretend like... Nobody listening has heard of Prog Power. Uh, the main thing when it started was that the biggest bands playing were like Symphony X, which you know people hadn't really still heard of much. But people into progressive metal who were like fans of Dream Theater or whatever, uh, a lot of them who were like, "Well, I need more of this, and I can't find it." Well, they end up with Symphony X um, and stuff like that. And so uh, most of the bands, unless you like went to their hometown, you couldn't see them. Because even if they played shows, they didn't, you know, they weren't on any big tours or anything. And so, and then a lot of them were European bands, first time playing in the States. And so there's a lot of exclusives, and they were really good exclusives. And some of them were exclusives that people have been waiting for, like, decades to see, right? Like Gamma Ray and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. well, that's, right. Prog Power 3 was kind of the, uh, where I feel like the festival arrived because they got a bunch of huge bands that I didn't think anybody expected Glenn to be able to get. Yeah. 
yeah, that's true. He, he did really. Uh, uh, I mean, for yeah, that's the thing. It's like the ones that were biggest for me weren't necessarily the biggest bands, but they were big the first year when it was small. But they were, but to me, they're still the biggest bands just musically. You know, like Pain of Salvation and Symphony X and Evergrey and stuff like that. Yeah, well, I mean, Evergrey people referred to Evergrey as Glenn's house band for right. years. Remember? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that, I mean, that was so. I mean, Evergrey was kind of uh, like in the beginning, Glenn was sort of feeding them. Um, you know, promotional material, yeah. right? Oh yeah, absolutely. They, I feel like, yeah, they largely like. Uh, well, yeah, that, well, yeah. That, so that's the next step, right? The next thing that happened is uh, a bunch of the bands who playing Prague Power started to be able to do small tours and stuff when they came over, and uh, and so a lot of them started. Which is the other weird. Uh, it's a positive thing, but like, it's one of the things I I complain about when I'm like, I'm not excited enough about Prague Power. It's because. Oh, because they all came to New York. Like, right. I moved to the place where everybody plays, and now I got too many shows to go to. Yeah, well, I mean, 15 years ago, none of these bands even played New York, right? They right. Didn't, they oh, didn't yeah, play yeah, anywhere exactly. in the U.S., and that was that was what Prog Power, what, what originally made Prog Power so big, yeah. was it was the only place you could see some of these bands in the U.S. And then it went sort of through that lull in the middle part of its lifetime after... I mean, I, I, I'm sort of I'm sort of guessing here, but it was after the novelty of hey, all these bands have, are now playing the U.S. because they're now actually tours, touring, right? They're yeah. actually touring. So, Prime um, Power became a victim of its own success. In a right, way. right, exactly. They, and that's the thing now is that he like Glenn still goes for the exclusive angle, but right. um, but it's a different type of exclusive now. Right, it's not just the band because the bands tour. Right, it's well, right, oh, just going for albums. This right, album so right, so in its entirety. Way. Or for him. Yeah, well, it reminds thing. me of Joe X's comment about, you know, the the, the, the Harvest Butt Boy sale in the, uh, you know, after the video announcement. So on yeah. Saturday when they open up the uh, when they open up the vendor room, oh, they used yeah, to have yeah. the, the, the vendor sale specifically for next year's bands. Right, right. There'd be like a huge line out the door. It's like, you know, awesome. Yeah. I get to buy like the latest album from Helker. Yeah, because, you know, I, well, and I was, and I I'd mean, like to point out that you're actually one of those butt boys too, because you would wait in line to buy one of those CDs. Well, yeah, the, as I recall. Uh, yeah, I know. The I first know, but you were just kind of insulting it. And but no, no I, I was repeating what Joe X said. Rod, I thought you said you listened to this podcast. <laughs> so, yes. well, no, the thing is, the first few years, I, I was into the same thing. And, well, uh, because I would I would be like okay well I know these bands and I'm excited about them there's a couple I don't know I'll pick up some CDs from them or if I was being more cautious I usually I would be like oh I just saw that band now I'm gonna go buy their CD but now it's 2015 so I'm like that's cool I'll go see if I like that band by listening to them and then if I want to buy it I will purchase it digitally yeah. and I don't have to go to that other room and wait in yeah. lines and stuff. Yeah, I haven't bought a CD in the vendor room for several years now. Yeah. I just, like, what's the point? Like, I can listen to most of what I want to listen to on Spotify, and if it's not there, I can probably find it on YouTube. And then if I decide I really want to own it and want to rip it in flack, right, I can go buy the CD, but otherwise... Yeah. yeah. Or if it's a independent band, you might be able to go to Bandcamp and just buy the flack version. That's true. That is the future. <laughs> So well, can I can I just yes, add? I mean, absolutely. I mean, for I mean, Go along for this it. along this theme here, uh, <clears throat> for for many years, Prog Power was more or less the only way that I was introduced to new bands. Like, I mean, oh, I yeah. would I, I frequent one of the uh, boards, PMX, which is the one that Kyle runs, and I would get some new stuff there. But honestly, I was like a true blue, one hundred percent Harvest butt boy myself. Oh yeah, me too. I just like learning 
all my new stuff through yeah. what he yeah, had I, in the video announcement. Yeah, I didn't totally. mean it really as a as a term of derision. I'm sure no, Joe did, I, right? I, I mean <laughs> I it know, as a term of affection, right? <laughs> yep. Glenn Harvest and I love you. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Okay, so like, <laughs> right. So I was concerned about doing a podcast about this festival because, again, that's the reason I'm no, I'm no longer on the, the Prague Power Forum is that's the, uh, it's become very insular. It's That's where like the core of the yeah. like, like They're right, like boys, basically, yeah, basically, 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 you you do not speak ill of the festival on yeah. that forum. It used to be about like you know, it used to just be everybody argue. I think that's what happens. People argued about the bands, and then they're like, you know, less arguing, more worshiping our festival, and right. you know. Uh, but although although now it's weird because like I went on there the other day to look at some update on the festival, and it's there's still some threads and people kind of talk about stuff, but almost every post is a YouTube video. It's usually like one sentence and then just a YouTube video of a well, song. Like check out this band or something. Yeah. And then a bunch of people will respond, but usually just like, oh, kick ass. And it's like, did you, that was worth writing on the internet, you know? Like, <laughs> uh, but then like, but like three pages of it, you know? Or like, oh, no, this goes to the last one. Oh, I like it. It's, it's you know, the same yeah. stuff. I really but think that that forum needs a like needs like a content filter where you could say, just show me the messages that have interesting original content. Yeah, but I don't I don't know if they're there anymore. Is the thing that's why like I I I posted something on Facebook about it where I was like I just went to the forum and I was like, do people like also half of them are from promoters who are somehow promoters or management, so many people who are directly like uh in involved and connected to the festival because they manage bands or they promote bands or you know whatever. And so, so there's so much promotion now, you know, and uh, although I guess there's probably like an off topic form member, but I want to I want to be on topic. Well, the, the, right. I want to talk about music. The guys. forum exists to promote the festival. Right. right? Well, but no, it's, not it, a, it's not a free speech zone like PMX. No, but it's a forum. It's a it exists. To, well, it, it's discuss. a forum in name only. It's a forum in name only. But it, it exists on a site. <laughs> Of other, but even like ultimate okay, so metal. right, ultimate metal. But here's the thing: so there's like official band forums and stuff on ultimate metal, and I've been some. I like I for a while I was on the Nevermore forum uh, when I was in Mirror Black, and I'm like, you guys are like my band, but I also <laughs> I also like Nevermore, and I got more into Nevermore as on. So then I was like, no, no, I, I'm really in Nevermore. But then like uh, uh, anyway, so um, <laughs> but the point is like, but they would talk about different music and stuff it was a discussion forum like they didn't just sit around jerking off nevermore you know <laughs> and and they were fairly uh like a lot of you know they were they didn't pull punches right it's because right? that's the thing like I, who was i i read oh my friend phil uh angry metal uh because of the new iron maiden album he's like the biggest iron maiden fan <laughs> he did a uh a, a worst to best of all of Iron Maiden's yeah, studio albums. Yeah, it was that. pretty it was good, good, right? Yeah. I didn't agree with half of it. No, I didn't. <laughs> I was I didn't. like, I posted, I hope he understands that I was trying to like, like I'm pretty sure we have this report where I was like, hey, great read, even though you're wrong most of the time. But uh, uh, but he, only just because he put uh, Power Slave above, uh, no, 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 below X Factor. What? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> right? Well, he likes Blaze. He's also one of those guys, Blaze didn't get a fair shot. I'm like, he probably didn't, but I still don't think he's that great. <laughs> But uh, well, yeah. I, mean, I, I, th I think Blaze is an excellent frontman and and singer for a different band. Right, exactly. Right? Not Which for I think Iron is what Maiden. everyone agrees with. Yeah, I think well, the, the the word is that like they didn't even try to accommodate him. Like you know, they were like well, they were still writing vocal lines right. for Bruce Dickinson, exactly, right? right? And he's like, uh, guys, yeah, he's like, that's not my actual range, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so uh, so like that, he he makes a good comment in there about how. 
especially at least at least in metal maybe maybe not as much as i don't know at least in metal if you're really really into a band like you can amongst other fans of it yeah you can argue about which albums you like and people don't really get genuinely bothered by it because they're like it's cool we know you like a good band so i respect you and therefore we can talk about it like peers and not be like what's that crap you know so like uh, and, and that's part of my whole thing too is like the whole point is like like uh, Dio is my favorite example because I love I genuinely love Dio and I'm specifically Ronnie James Dio and I don't necessarily think is like there Dio is material no no but I mean <laughs> as opposed to just the band Dio oh, the band. I mean like all of the things he's done he's done I right. like all of it I like it in like uh, Rainbow Sabbath Dio I like Ronnie James Dio but he, he's hilarious right because yeah. like uh you know the like the lyrics, and he's saying, "Look out!" Just randomly, "Look out!" all the time. You're like, w- w- f- "For what?" You know, <laughs> the the rainbow themes. You know, it's also like it's there's it's it there's nothing wrong with having a sense of humor about stuff, right. and I agree. like people need to like chill out, chill out a little about bit. Well, it's the exchange of ideas, and that's I think one reason why you know PMX, for example, is still relevant because people get on there and they actually share. Yeah. Interesting viewpoints, yeah, and, and they also definitely other. don't pull punches. They don't pull punches, and there, there's no sycophantism. Yeah, it's yeah, not a yeah. Important. There isn't like a yes man thing going yeah. on there, yeah. and I, that, that's definitely the case with the Prog Power Forum. But I mean, I can yeah. sort of understand why, right? Again, right, it's a promotional right. tool for Glenn, right? Not really exactly, a, exactly. It's not exactly like it's not that it's a bad business model. It's definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, but uh, oh yeah, but the other thing I was I, I forgot to mention is that to be, uh, which is the thing I should have started with was whatever I say about prog power, <laughs> keep in mind, I am a gold badge holder, and I have been since number two. So I have contributed a significant amount. <laughs> yeah, I stopped being a gold badge holder five years ago when I became a VIP. Sponsor so, is what it is. Sponsor <laughs> is the Because there's a differenti- differentiation in those words. VIP just sounds like, you know, Kyle's so important, uh, <laughs> I feel like you shouldn't be paying to come to the festival. Whereas sponsor is, I paid I'm a bunch of money because yeah, I want money. a band to be here. Uh, should we talk about the sponsorship thing? That's kind of an interesting. Well, what I mean, what were you hoping to accomplish with this podcast <laughs> with regard to Prog Power? Because we've like again, I feel like I feel like you have, said you listened, listened to the podcast. To the podcast. We don't have, have clear cut goals because well, no, we've know, only, well we can't. I, I wanted to yeah, talk, let's about, talk about sponsorship, man. Well, like, okay, so here's an interesting part of the Prog Power model. Okay, I mean, that's, maybe that's you talk should about. talk about gold badge and then sponsorship. I'm gonna I'm gonna take a moment and 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 say only really good things. Um, the whole way this festival uh, came about, and the way that it it grew, especially was was really brilliant with uh, how Glenn like the gold badge itself, right? The gold badge has always been like a more expensive ticket, which is still cheap compared to any other festival. Like right. I always went to Heavy Montreal, and it's like it cost like one day costs what a gold badge costs, or or probably. Or maybe more. I don't know. Or well, similar. And, uh, and and the regular festival attendees would be unhappy to hear this, but after you add in the Ticketmaster fees, the gold badge doesn't actually cost that yeah, much more than yeah. the regular ticket does. Right. Yeah. The gold so, badges are limited, used, though, because right. You it know. used to be a, a, a more noticeable difference, I think. And also, well, there are still. Kind of, well, I'm, let's not talk about gold badge benefits because that's not as. Uh, but anyway, um, <laughs> but. Because that that I f- that fell off really quickly for me. Like in the early days, I was excited about gold badge benefits. They never, I don't know if they ever once completely like 
like paid off, paid off to where I was like, I think the well, only I feel one like, that currently exists is the extra show on Saturday. Yeah, but that's point, what right? I'm saying. Like those have never, those are the best benefit. They just like, they've been, for one thing, they've been acoustic shows like 90% of the time. Right. And most bands, I don't need to hear an acoustic set from. Um, I did hear an acoustic set from Evergrade last time they did one and that was good. And I didn't need good. to hear it again. <laughs> That was enough for me of an acoustic <laughs> set for every day. Yeah, but, I mean, I, so I, I, I feel like in the early days, although I'm not actually sure I can remember, but I feel like in the early days that Gold Badge had more uh, privileges associated with it. Yeah, it did. Um, like, you know, I mean, you still get in early, um, but for instance, you know, like in, during the, well, I guess what was the Thursday show way back then, right? There used to be like a separate room just for gold badge members so yeah. they could go back there and chat and talk without the music blaring yeah. i think that only lasted like a year or two maybe yeah it wasn't very long yeah yeah um, there were several years there where glenn was actually pretty apologetic to us about the fact that we there, didn't really right. have any right so there's amenities yeah gold there, was, badge there was a bunch of stuff the first few years and it was all right it was that was the thing it was all right it was cool but it wasn't to where I was like, oh man, I, I better not lose. I better not lose my gold badge privilege. You know, I was, I was. I mean, I still didn't want to, but I was like, but yeah. Then there was a few years where, he, where like he admittedly was like, there's nothing I could really come up with. But that's that's what it is though. Is that is I feel like, uh, it's one of those. And maybe it's just me. Is I, there's really isn't anything I can think of that would suddenly be like, ooh, I gotta have that gold badge to get into that thing. It's like, it, it just is more, it's partially me over the years, in addition to the gold badge, is that I have cared less and less about the things that they've attempted to offer. And then at some point I just realized like, I, it's never going to be like a big, oh man, I better. But aren't you really excited for the anathema set tomorrow? No, because I'm probably not going to be at it. <laughs> well, there's anathema your, well, there, well, there's your, your, your gold badge okay. privilege right there. Anathema plugged in is sleepy enough. <laughs> Acoustic anathema, I will be out. I, I listened to some the other day. I put on an anathema. I actually, I'm going to watch them though. I actually want to see them because I listened to some. It's uh, it's what I thought it was pretty much, but uh, but it's all right. And I was like, yeah, this is cool. I'll watch this. I'll like this. I'll I'll probably sit down, but uh, <laughs> and I might not fall asleep. But um, I think, but a lot it's of like will be very asleep. melodic. A lot, it's, of, a lot of Falconer fans waiting for Falconer to come on are probably going to be sitting in their seats. Sleeping yeah, that's through, true. Through anathema, but. resting up for well, or, for or they're going to be or they're going to be standing up front by the rails so that they're there for Falconer, for Falconer just right. standing there with their arms crossed, being like, "This sucks." <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, that's right. I forgot because they switched uh, order. They did. See, that yeah. wouldn't be an issue if it was the other way around, but. Well, then you'd have a repeat of the uh, you know Shadow Gallery uh, set where you know Shadow Gallery is probably the best set I've ever seen. But yeah. the, the house like cleared out uh, oh, yeah. during their set. Oh, that's I mean, right. which is really which is shocking late. because yeah. like they never play live. So you figure that everybody would just well, stick around and right. be like, "Wow, but, this band that never plays live thing. is playing live." I think, but I think the window for that that would have made a bigger difference was like ten years ago. And part of the fact that they never played live is is what I think kept their fandom somewhat limited, you know? Because there's a certain point where, like, seeing a band live is part of what makes you, like, I am a fan of this band for the rest of my life. You know, right. you see a band and you're like, this is the shit. I'm I'm also gesturing really emphatically, and then I just realized like yeah, no, nobody nobody's going to see that. So uh, <laughs> yeah, you, but, you need to video this podcast, right? But so 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 the, but yeah, so the point is like it's a big part of it, and so. I, I loved Shadow Gallery 
Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to use past tense. I just don't listen to him recently. Uh, I listen to your name I mean, I'm, a not a, I'm not a Shadow Gallery fan at all. No, but I was but really, I was really into f- impressed by their set. I was too, but I was I was really into Shadow Gallery for a while. Yeah. But then at a certain point, I was like, so you guys just aren't going to play live. This is just like, just record shit. And like, and like the dude has like a studio you know, well, so like, okay. well, so, 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 with all due respect to the dead, right? Mike Baker right. was the problem there, right? Was he? Yeah, yeah. he was the reason why they didn't, uh, why they didn't tour. He was but uninterested in gig. touring. No, they didn't even play local shows most for the most. There's like maybe two. Sorry, I, I mean playing live, like not not just touring, but really? like, like I, I, yeah, it's it, mm. my my understanding was that Mike Baker was not interested in playing live. Hmm. So I don't have any way to confirm that. Like yeah. that could be just complete and utter horseshit. But, but then again, but see, then then how come like the rest of the band at some point wasn't like, well, don't we? But don't don't we feel like this would be a useful promotional tool for people to see us perform? <laughs> I, and again, and then it comes down to like, well, can you? Right? Because yeah, he has a great studio. He's he's like, I mean, that's part of the whole thing, right? Is he had he? I, I think he like. I, I sh- I'm just gonna start making stuff up if I start speculating. But I'm pretty sure he like owned a studio and not. Even if, if it was a home studio, it was a really nice home studio, right? Like, he brought a chunk of the studio. That's why they sounded so amazing. He brought a chunk of the studio. He had a rack full of, like, $1,000 per-channel compressors, and that's why their backing vocals sounded like tracks but weren't tracks. Like, they were totally live. They sounded amazing, and all the levels were perfect, and that's because he brought, like, these refrigerator racks worth of <laughs> studio equipment. Um, so, like, they sound great, but then it's like, and they are good, obviously they showed they can do it, but they showed it so late. That's the thing. Yeah. So, like, 15 well, you, years earlier. Did you, did you stay for the Shadow Gallery Yes. Set? Okay. I, was, well, I, I, I didn't I know mean, what they cleared out because I was too far up front. Oh, okay. okay. So yeah, I kind of yeah, look yeah. back and you're like, uh, is it cleared out? I think there's less people than yeah. there might have been, but I don't know. Well, it was one of those sets, actually, where I think the word got around during the set about how amazing it was, and it got it filled more full. Full as probably. the show went on, probably because well, with social strange. media now, probably that's what people were probably it standing did, outside getting messages like, "This is the best thing ever." It did for a while, seen. but then it was so late that people just started hemorrhaging and leaving. That uh, was yeah. it. I mean, not hemorrhaging, hemorrhaging. Yeah, yeah but the venue that's started true. hemorrhaging. Oh yeah, people. it started kind of late. Yeah. right. Oh, it, it was, was really, yeah, late. it was really late. Really, I mean, they, they, really that, late. they're set to end until like two thirty in the morning or something. I mean, it was pretty late. Yeah, yeah. I even bailed. I mean, I thought they were amazing, but I was like, I need to get out of here. Trying to say for every time to drink song. Yeah, pretty much. I might have, I might have left during like the encore thing, but I think I stayed for most of it because yeah, because I get, I was re- for a, a, a window of time, I was really into Shadow Gallery. Well, so they so they had at one point they had four guitarists on stage, and you know you think <laughs> yeah. about a band having four guitarists, and you know that at least two of them are completely unnecessary, right? But. It was like all four of them needed to be there. That's how good they were. Yeah. Well, yeah, because the uh, the singer was like the most extraneous one, but yeah, there was a lot of a lot of guitars. It was pretty Janic yeah. of uh, of Shadow Gallery. Yeah. Well, yeah, like that. Well, and yeah, that's part of Shadow Gallery thing too. Is that uh, Gary Werkamp was like ridiculously good at both guitar and keyboard, yeah. and does both, and then. Yeah, there's a lot of like redundant instrumentation, but not musically redundant at no. all. Like they no. actually yeah. made use of the. Well, right, and it, f- it fills out their sound. I mean, it was their their sound was unbelievable live. Like I never yeah. expected it to sound that good. Yeah, like, especially because I mean, it's so produced on the albums. Right. I mean, and I, you know, like I, I went into that set expecting them to be good, right? But not as good as they were. That yeah. show was amazing. Yeah. Uh, it was really yeah. Probably good. the biggest impression for me in all the years I've been going. Yeah, that was, def- I mean, it was definitely a, a, an all-time highlight. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, but my thing is like, like it's again, I I didn't really listen to their. I think Legacy when they did the sequel to Tyranny, like that was the one where like I listened to a little bit of it and I was like, hmm, I don't know. Like sequel albums have, there I, I I can't like I have yet to find one where I was like, it's a good thing they wrote that sequel to that album. I have exactly scenes from memory isn't uh, but isn't it's a sequel to a song, so they can kind of. Yeah, I see. Yeah, you know, and, you're dithering here. But. Well, no, and honestly, no, no, and honestly, uh, to to be fair, it's like. It's the it's the case where it works. You have to make the sequel something different enough. Uh, the which in this case is it has nothing to do with the original song. They just stole like imagery and then reassigned it to the new concept. Which in its I mean I guess you could say that's kind of dumb and therefore why is it even a sequel? Like the sequel thing is like but again even in that case it's kind of it's a gimmick right? It's yeah, kind of well, there like, they were just like we're going back to our roots after that after crappy right, falling into infinity right? right? And they went back to the roots so hard that. <laughs> He has 70 minutes. Everyone missed the gesture that Matt just made, yeah. but and I like that album. So, but I but I no longer like argue with people who don't because I I can kind of see it both ways. Um, it's yeah, a I'm lot kind of, of dream theater. I'm you, kind of on the fence with that one. If too. you like dream theater and you want to hear a lot of it, yeah, yeah. I mean, I just like every time I'm listening to that album, I think I'd rather be listening to images and words. Like, that's really yeah. what it comes down to. It's just, like, it, it feels like they just went back and recreated images and words. And 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 surprisingly, like, most Dream Theater fans love it, right? Yeah. They're like, oh, my God, well, yeah, it's so because good. Because most Dream Theater fans, up until that point, were like, it's not as good as images and words. And they're like, this is a lot like images and words. <laughs> Only there's a lot of it. <laughs> right, but I don't, I don't want to hear the same album made, like, seven times, right? right? I mean, right, you right. Know, I want them to progress and that's make something new. That's why it's called progressive. Yeah. Well, there wasn't any... Uh... God, let's not get into that discussion. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll refer everyone to the, you know, one of the thousand threads on PMX where people discuss prog versus progressive. Right. Um, which, I don't know why they're still discussing it. I think it's very, uh, very clear. I like, don't think it's been discussed people, in a while, actually. People on the internet just like arguing about shit. Yeah. yeah. Well, no. So Edu Edu uh, Filoski just gave me the ideal term. Like, instead of calling like prog bands that are prog as opposed to progressive, you should call them proggy metal or or power metal bands that think they're progressive. Prog. He was like, "You guys like proggy metal, right?" And I was like, <laughs> "That's the perfect way to describe it." Yes. Yeah. Everyone here likes proggy metal and then he's like how about everyone this? here likes proggy metal you yeah and then he's like this song's really long and it was it was a really long power metal song that's pretty so, much it yeah i guess that's proggy you know kind of but yeah but maybe uh maybe you should talk about the sponsorships now oh yeah yeah uh so the sponsorship thing which is actually a really is a cool idea um is that uh because of the costs, so the, the thing uh, is that Glenn does this whole thing himself, and when he started it, he had a job, and now it's kind of, it's become his job, and but it's still like uh, heavy investment up front in terms of booking the venue and the bands, and he covers like uh, like their hotels and stuff, and he actually pays all the bands, so uh, basically he outsourced, you know, in a pre-Kickstarter world, he he crowdsourced funding some of the bands, though in a very specific, like uh, small group people way. So like basically, well, do you guys want to describe how the process actually works since you've actually been through it? And I've just sort of watched people do it and been like, 
So how much did you pay to see that band? So yeah, so I can only I can only speak to my experience since 2010. Right. Um, yeah, and you don't have to use numbers if you don't want. Yeah, I, I think Glenn would probably prefer yeah, yeah. that we no, not no. do that. That's not. But, we don't have to discuss. But yeah, so so I mean. Uh, at least in modern times, the uh, the sponsorships are all individual. Like there are no corporate sponsors for the festival, and he gets enough he gets enough individual sponsors to you know pay his expenses for all the bands and presumably some income and whatnot. Um, and so it's you know the idea is you know if you want to if you want to sponsor a band, you send you send Glenn a proposal saying you know I'm willing to 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 give you you know X amount of dollars to sponsor a particular band. And if that band gets gets selected to play the festival, then you're you know you're sort of bound at that point to pay him the money, and then you'll get the VIP badge and get access to most areas of the venue. It's I mean it's a pretty good. It, I, okay, you know I wouldn't I wouldn't actually say that it's a good deal compared to the gold badge, <laughs> right? But yeah. but I I do it because I enjoy sponsoring the festival. Yeah. Right. I want to support Glenn and I want to keep the festival going, right. and so like like that's why it's worth it to me. It's even for me per, for me personally, it's less about the band than it is about the festival. I feel like I'm okay. a festival yeah. sponsor mm -hmm. more so than a band sponsor. Yeah. Yeah. Except for Lepers last year, which was <laughs> fucking awesome. Yeah. So. You guys should take full credit for Lepers. I absolutely, absolutely take absolutely. full credit for that. Well, and that's the other thing. It, it lets you, uh, it gives you another way to, my idea. to influence the content of the festival. And, well, yeah, and yet, last year was my favorite in... I would have to look at, like, I would have to look back a few years at the lineups to figure out the year that last year is the best since because it's pretty far back because last year was the shit yeah it was definitely the mostly because of leprous and pain the, of salvation the yeah. trick with sponsorship is that you know you have to when you put in your bid to sponsor it's like a year and a half before the festival you're actually sponsoring yeah there's no guarantee that any of the bands on your bid list are going to get picked and in fact two out of the four times i did it with this group um none of the bands on our list got picked right but um, we, yeah we became general we, sponsors yeah we, we picked another we uh, just picked another band out mm -hmm. of them one year it was my and the other year it was heaven's cry mm -hmm. uh but the first very first year we got we got haken which was jeremy's um yep. uh, idea and, and then, then this year yeah. last year was lepers and then mm -hmm. i actually dropped out of the sponsorship group i'm just a gold badge holder again but they just got, among the plebeians <laughs> yeah i'm a plebe again um they got yeah riverside yeah we got riverside sarah Sounds jeremy really nice. so cool well, you know, I mean, I dropped out because it was a lot of money. I mean, it's mm. just, I mean, I enjoyed doing it. I did it for four years, and I feel like I helped out the festival kind of during the lean years. Yeah. But um, it's doing great again, and felt like I could use that money for other stuff. So, yeah. Gold badge is fine Sweet. for yeah. now. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so the sponsorship is a cool thing. Um, the uh, other, oh yeah, the other really unique thing about the festival uh, that you wouldn't know unless you've gone to it is the, it's it's logistical and it is I think it was especially relevant in the early years. Uh, it's it's faded a little with the the growth of the festival actually, uh, but because the main hotels are very close to the venue and there's only a few of them really, the bands are always in some of the same hotels and so like I remember the first year like. You know, you pull up to the hotel with your bag and like Symphony X was just like <laughs> sitting around in the courtyard and you were like, I think that's one of the bands I came here to see. Like, yeah. Yeah. And, and so then when there's like... And the parties. And the parties. The parties, the parties. you know where to go for the party. So 
Well, but I mean, in the early days, before the courtyard at right. the Artmore, or, well, I mean, when it was still the Granada, and before the courtyard was like owned by the yeah. by the attendees of the festival, there were room parties, right. right? And one of those room parties was a rather epic party. So, at the risk of, <laughs> I mean, I could I could go into like the party. I, I've heard about this. The party, party now, history like five thousand times. I feel like the party history of Prague Power could be its own episode almost. <laughs> but uh, the early, yeah. So the oh, early tell years, the abridged version. Okay. Well, first I'll tell I'll tell the abridged the super abridged version of the three hundred three party in the first year uh and then like the only other party that maybe came close to that was the fairfield because it was yeah you mean the one where where mike blevins was pouring beer off a balcony directly down vicious throat yeah yeah that was pretty awesome where uh it got shut down because pain of salvation needed to sleep um (laughs) so fancy (laughs) uh anyway so um the first year uh, the the headliner on Saturday night was Camelot. Uh, it's too bad Rich isn't here because he's directly involved in the story. Rich, uh, why does that not shock me? He got he knew uh, the person. I don't. I I try not to identify people if they don't know they're being identified. Uh, the he knew the person who was actually staying in that room or the people because it was like the biggest suite in the formerly uh, Granada Best Western. Um, and he was like, yeah, we're having a big party, whatever. Yeah. Invite people. So Rich grabs, uh, a couple girls, which was harder to come by the first couple of years. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> and they make a big sign and they hold it up during Camelot's set. And for some reason they hold it up like right at the beginning of like, you know, the let's take it down a notch, like the ballad ever. So it was like dark and quiet and everyone's paying attention. And then, uh, Roy Khan from Camelot like reads the sign on stage. And it was funny too. Cause it was like, you know, best Western, uh, or like, you know, it was supposed to be like best Western party, but it, it was aligned weird. So it looked like it said best Western party. <laughs> and, but it had the room, like it was room three Oh three and he announced it. And so, like after the thing we went to that room and it was packed like people were sitting on the floor there were so many people I mean it was a big room I I'm terrible with like distances so I can't like be like it's about whatever by whatever I have no idea (laughs) but uh it was a big ass fucking room with like a dining room table and uh like just way too much open I mean I don't know if it's even still a room like I I imagine they must have like broken that into like multiple rooms or something but now it's such an enormous suite uh or they just like have like five pullouts and like three bands stay there or something now it's my guess but uh it was so big and people kept showing up is what happened <laughs> there's so many people and every 15 minutes someone else would walk in the room and somebody would cheer and sometimes it was just somebody they knew from a former mailing list or whatever but then sometimes it was somebody from a band and i think like half the bands were largely represented at that party like so many people came through it was ridiculous and uh, I know because I was there until 7 a.m. <laughs> and I was one of the last people to leave. And me and Rich, well, Rich, somebody had a video camera and they were like, I'm, I don't, and Rich was like uh, hanging around and, and they were like, here, you know, if you want to like film the party and stuff, like I don't want to like hold my video camera all night. Yeah. So Rich had the camera. And so we were like walking around talking to people and, and basically, it was the year that I learned, like, if you just stick a camera in someone's face and they've had, like, a beer, like, they will just, those be like, yeah! Like, it was basically, sticking a camera in someone's face is, like, you want to see people act dumb and get it on camera? 
All you need is the camera. <laughs> That's the whole formula. So we got some great stuff. I don't. Uh, I don't want to get too much into uh, the specifics of what we caught on tape. Uh, because that might require its own episode with Rich and like maybe yeah, acquiring yeah, a copy you, of the tape. You need to give us one shenanigan. But basically, there were a couple vocalists from a couple different bands who were both really, really wrecked. One of them was really drunk and just said some funny stuff. And then the other one was on something else and out of his mind. And we got like an hour of that shit. And this the tape, like... Because it was it was also in a weird point between like just imagine if 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 this happened now and it was on YouTube right oh yeah but I don't but it's uh, in fact I should you should just put it on YouTube well, I gotta find my copy because <laughs> the thing is the dude who had the tape made like burned DVDs and they weren't even they were like you know DVDRs with like a, a wave or like a, a WMV or something on there I don't even know what format but you know like just a digital. Did, or maybe even CDRs with just like copy of it on there. It might have actually been two CDRs, I think, uh, with with videos on them, and just like burned copies and mailed them to people who like asked him. And so it literally was like a party tape that got passed around, only not literally a tape. Yeah, there has to be a copy of a it disc. somewhere. I have one somewhere, and I'm sure we can find one. And. Uh, maybe just take the highlights because the problem trying to watch the actual videos it's actually really long and there's a lot of you have to fast forward well, I mean, a it's lot a party shit. right so there's right. probably a lot of like a lot of time where there's really nothing happening right what I really need to do is I always I always meant to do this but then nobody seemed to care enough I was gonna like edit out like a highlight reel but then I was just like nobody's actually gonna watch this and there wasn't like YouTube and shit as much now but now I mean now it might actually be worth well, finding the some highlights. Of the, some, yeah, some of the lowlights. And it's might not be, like uh, you know who has a career to ruin, as far as I can tell. <laughs> like, I'm not sure what band he's in right now, but I don't think they're you know. So it's not like it might, if anything, it might help him out. YouTube star. So when I you know when I first did, uh, started coming, the Fairfield was gone. I my my first festival was six. Mm. Fairfield was gone. We just stayed at yeah, the residence. The, yeah, the, that was the previous year was the Fairfield's last year. Yeah, oh, that's so that terrible. was Prog Power Five. Yeah, and the uh, the big courtyard party that takes place at the Artmore mm. was still like w- didn't start until like Prog Power Nine or something yeah. like that. So because they finally well for one they they one of the times because they changed either management or ownership a bunch of times right and one of those times they finally were like okay well you guys all stay here and we get money from it instead of being jerks about and you mostly seem to want to party right like they're not like we get in a ton of complaints you mostly are like your complaint is that we won't let you party so uh right so they're they're mostly like so finally they're just like okay well we we got like uh they set up the courtyard for people to be in for one because it wasn't really before it was just a courtyard and so they added all like these uh outdoor couches and stuff and then then that enormous like torch in the middle yeah yeah (laughs) and then and i think the first year it was sort of like a an uneasy alliance like we're keeping an eye on this just don't get too crazy but yeah i mean there's a courtyard here but then a year or so later somebody finally got wise and was like yeah man all right it's cool like you guys can hang out and party here all night and just don't do anything crazy or illegal yeah don't break stuff and that's the way it's been ever since there's been some ups and downs but but it's really the one year that the cops got called because who was it that got thrown out yeah, that was not a good scene. Yeah, yeah, so there, so was, yeah there was a couple. There was a dude was who was bed. way, way over, over his limit. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it came close to being shut 
down like yeah. permanently. Right. Well, it was it was shut down that night, right? It was Saturday yeah, night, and I mean, it was it was pretty early. It was maybe like three thirty or something yeah, in the morning. I'm saying, yeah, that and it was Glenn a while. Came really right, close right. To he had to like he had down. to like talk. They were basically gonna be like next year. That's not gonna happen. He was like, yeah. well, I'm in. Yeah. Like my friends like to party, <laughs> so. But but uh, yeah, and 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 it's really great that it has worked out though because it really for a couple of years the party thing was rough. I mean, you find people you knew, and there was right. hotel room parties, but. Uh, the hotel room parties were never whenever there was a big area where people could gather that was really I feel like other metal festivals well other metal festivals are usually too big to do that because it would just be overrun but uh, so it's a good balance but yeah I mean even the years that we ran that Rod and I ran the ran a party in the residence right I mean at at most we had maybe 30 people in there yeah that was the and I think that was pretty much the first year the year that that DC Cooper uh, showed up at five thirty in the morning shotgun. after yeah. everybody else had left and oh, shotgun to Bud Light. <laughs> I think, yeah, and I think I might remember that. He's part. like, "Where's the party?" I'm like, dude, it, the party's over. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I was here a couple that, hours ago. <laughs> was that um, what was the year? One year you guys had a party and it was like the best party that year, and I think it that I don't know if it was that one, but it was like I remember uh, Bill Hudson was there. There was some elf band playing that year. Who was right. the like so the, silly elf band? The year, Elven yeah. King. We That's didn't. Just, so I was we like, actually something to do with elves. <laughs> right. We didn't actually host that party. Or maybe that was someone else. Uh, somebody else did, but it was uh, in the okay. residence. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And Bill Hudson was definitely there, and yeah. he definitely made an ass of himself, without a doubt. I remember. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. why I, I remember. I so think. that we can the, all agree the on. old Bill Hudson or the new Bill Hudson. This is the that was the old, old Bill Hudson. Bill yeah, Hudson. yeah. I think that might have been the one without the stretch marks. Right. <laughs> yeah. so are you gonna edit that out yeah you probably want to edit uh, that part out yeah <laughs> yeah um i just like to go on record as saying i think bill hudson is a is actually a pretty good guitar player <laughs> he's also super ripped now so like i don't think yeah, he, i don't think he's he... gonna care about that yeah. he was also on the cover of an esp catalog like a Holy year or two shit, ago. Really? Yeah, wow. I was I had to tell everybody at Sam Ash who he was. I was like, I know that guy. And they were like, "Really? Cuz I don't." And like he's on the cover of the ESP catalog. Right. Looking pretty cool. And it said circle to circle. Uh Okay. Yeah. Some, like yeah. box guitars or, or something that were being sold with like his picture on it. Like, you know, like guitars that were just being sold on a music store. Really? But they were boxed up, and yeah, he took a picture of it one one day. Like, yeah, it oh. must have been because of the they had Not the picture from the there, from the catalog. Would you like? Would you like a microphone? No, no, no. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. So the yeah uh, the parties, parties, the parties. Oh yeah. So yeah. the Fairfield was interesting. So the Fairfield was a hotel that was open the first few years. Uh, I didn't stay there the first few years, and then all of a sudden, uh, or maybe I don't know if the first couple of years if it was active yet but there was a few years where it was the spot because it was pretty big for one yeah it had that enormous out, outdoor courtyard yeah, right because it was, outdoor, it was sort of like a motel setup yeah it was like a yeah it was almost like a pool area but it was actually i think separated from the pool but there was like a big outdoor courtyard and then there was balconies so like if you came out of your room you could see the party which kind of like the art more if you're on the courtyard inside rooms but uh, but you could walk out of your room and you were on a balcony and you could yell at the party and people did or pour things on them, which some people also <laughs> did. But uh, uh, it was a large central area and everyone knew where it was and there was a lot of parties. There was also one year that uh, 
midnight showed up very late at the party and somebody had an acoustic guitar and so he performed and that's another tape i need to there's a tape of that wow wow because raven well i know a few people had cameras but i also definitely know that raven wow. did so i should talk to him and see yeah, if and he that, still has that that was a magical would, performance there are people that would probably really love to see that I'm sure, well, I'm I mean, sure yeah. If if your only experience seeing Midnight was at was upstairs in the loft a few years back, may he rest in peace. See, I missed that because yeah. that was not a good performance. No, it was pretty painful. Well, yeah. the main reason I want to get the tape is I want to hear if you can hear Rich laughing at my comment in the background because <laughs> there was only like 15 people there and it was acoustics. So it was pretty quiet and we were kind of standing back because we weren't that into it. And there was some song and he said something about. Um, his kids. Well, it was the lyrics to the song. You know, his lyrics are kind of like stream of consciousy almost. Or I mean, probably that's that is his stream of consciousness. <laughs> but uh, there was something about wine and his kids, and I was like, mm, somebody better call child services. And Rich just like he laughed so loud. It has to be on everybody's tape. Is my thing, right? right. I feel like if you have a recording of that performance, at some point. You can hear Rich in the background laughing. And I want to find a copy to confirm that. And then later on, after the show, so after me and Rich are all like, uh, Raven comes up to me. He's like, hey, I need your help. I need your help. And I think this, this was like maybe when I had, this might have been the year I, the first year I was actually in the band with him, or maybe I had met him the previous year. And I don't know if I was in the band, but I knew him. So I basically Mirror couldn't be block. like, yeah, uh, Raven Murray uh, from the band, formerly of the band Mirror Black. Uh, now he's in... Uh, Denim and Leather, which is an 80s metal wow. uh, cover awesome. tribute type so act like, in so Wisconsin. So like Steel Panther, but different. Kind of. <laughs> Less kinda. overtly sexual. Kind of, yeah. Uh, they have a really good guitar player, too. This dude, Eric. Uh, Eric, oh, what's his last name? Damn it. Um, I'll look it up. Would, but, that, would that qualify as a butt rock band? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Technically speaking, it's a... Well, I mean, there's like... It varies between the butt rock and the like... Uh, 80s metal like Ozzy which again so, so that's still butt rock to some people yeah. it, there's a f really there's yeah. a little gray area between traditional metal and butt rock that depending on who you ask you know I mean like the other day I came up with an idea for a song called you are butt rock too you know spelled you are butt rock too oh, nice. and it's for all those like sub genres of metal that think they're like above it but they're really actually butt rock. <laughs> <laughs> um I don't remember what band I was watching when I thought of that, though. But uh, anyway, so the Fairfield was cool. Uh, and then when that went away, it was back to like party hunting. I remember one year where I was just like party hunting and I yeah. just it was very there, unsuccessful. There were some pretty lean years there. Yeah. yeah. Where you had to get a 30 rack of PBR and just carry it around hoping that somebody's door yeah. would be open. Yeah. Yeah. And we were, you know, we stayed in the residence for, I mean, for many years and uh they, they kind of, you know, they have a little courtyard area out in front of the building, and they kind of frowned on us turning that into, like, a free-for-all. I yeah. mean, it just never happened. We just yeah. stayed. They, they were never as open to that as yeah. they, as they right. are. Well, I mean, for one thing, been. it's, like, right on a main road, and it's not, it, like, the Artmore yeah. courtyard is a little bit more enclosed. Yeah, that's the true. The residence courtyard, I mean, you know, you could see it from, you know, a half a mile yeah. away. Yeah. So if there's some and, huge and, party going on. And the people on that side of the building could usually hear it, too, I think, so... Yeah. It was a yeah, I remember yeah I remember hanging out there one night when there was anything else going on. But. Well, I mean parties aren't just you know 
drunken decadence and you yeah. mentioned the midnight thing i mean one of the other cool things yeah. about the parties is the artists come out yeah. and party with you right yeah, like amaranth was there one year <laughs> yeah and it's <laughs> and bits of amaranth have been there previous years as well um, well i remember so the year the shadow gary played i remember actually having a conversation with uh gary Werecomp. oh yeah um, yeah in the court in the courtyard mm-hmm. after the show yeah. and making a complete ass of myself <laughs> he was a super he was a cool guy he was a very cool laid back guy. yeah he was laid um, back yeah that was i remember uh, uh, the year that uh, oceans of sadness played and the uh bassist got uh shit-faced the night before his performance um i remember uh yeah. the year i bet that happens more often than i know, we know probably about. right yeah uh, well yeah the, i mean the, that's the great thing about the parties they're uh well, and I mean, to me, the fact that it's all now in the courtyard is even better because you can you can hear people, you can have conversations, and that's what it is. It's where it's where people like can really talk and bond and whatever, and they're not like, oh crap, I gotta see this band right now. Yeah, it's 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 actually interesting that the that the courtyard is generally completely devoid of music. Right, people yeah. are just talking yeah. and standing around drinking because you know they've been listening to music all day. <laughs> it's now time to like you know talk yeah. and be heard. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, let's see what else? Okay, so that's pretty pretty good on the, the party stuff. Um, should we talk about this year at all? I mean, so it's currently Thursday night. Tonight's the kickoff show. Uh, we're here because uh, none of us were particularly desperate to see Armored Saint and Saxon. Uh, we went for... I mean, I went to the show. I, I bought a ticket like a week ago to this show. Because, um, I mean, last year uh, I skipped it because I wasn't into the lineup. And there were enough people around who were like, yeah, we're not going to that either. So I just didn't go. But this year I didn't know if anybody was actually not going. So I was like, well, I guess I'll buy a ticket and go to go to this butt rock show. Well, I and, mean, for uh, me, the, the whole attraction of the night was just Alma. You know, I mean, yeah. I, I did get into Dragonland, too. Mm-hmm. I, I will admit that uh, their mm-hmm. Dungeons and Dragons thing so that didn't exactly turn me the off. Guy, okay, so one of the guitar players in Dragonland, Olaf Merck, is also the guitar player for Amaranth. Shocking. I know, right? He actually plays <laughs> He's in Dragonland. He's very distinctive. He's yeah. actually, like, he doesn't, like, he doesn't do anything in Amaranth. And he doesn't do anything. Like, he plays... That's where all the money comes from. It's pop music. I mean, Amaranth is just pop metal. Right. So, but but then, right. But he's supposed to be one of the very little bits of actual metal, and he's just chugga-chugga. But the point is, he can actually play. And in Dragonland, well, the thing is, Dragonland, I mean, you could tell in his solos, Rever, but the rest of the time, it wasn't like, oh. But... The thing was, he used to play, at least could play comparison guitars. And so at least I got to yeah. like look at his pretty guitars. But then tonight he was just playing some shitty ass Jackson. Jackson. Yeah. I was just like, what? You mean there's not even a comparison guitar on stage right now? And I <laughs> I came in here to listen to this? And, uh, yeah, and they, I was not, not thrilled with them. It was pretty much, it was power metal. Yeah. Well, fi- you know, $50 is a lot to see one band. So you'd like one 45-minute set. Well, I don't know. How long was Alma on for? They were on for an hour, weren't they? I mean, I mean, I, I listened were, yeah. to like three songs, and yeah. I left that, during that the, was the main thing. I just Proggy song because yeah. I knew it was going to go on for a while, and and they broke out three anger songs. Yeah, that's um, true. Uh, uh, Here is the sand, Nova Era, and Angels and Demons, which I actually didn't expect them. I'm 
probably against my better judgment, didn't expect him to play any Angra mm. stuff because, you know, I guess the end didn't go well. And I didn't. Yeah. I think the reason why he left Angra was because he couldn't sing Angra songs anymore. Well, yeah, those are the things. They, <laughs> they, he, he's, he was like, I'm not a super high singing guy, but I got hired in this band that used to have yeah. the highest singer of high singers, <laughs> uh, yeah. at least as far as Brazil's concerned. Um, and so he had to stretch to do that stuff. And then it was hard, you know, it's hard to keep, if you're singing out of your range, it's hard to keep it up on the road. Yeah. Completely destroyed his voice. Yeah. yeah. Um, but so yeah, you could tell he was back to more of his comfortable, like he's traditionally more of just a like Bruce Dickinson ish. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's, I mean, he's actually a good vocalist for Alma. Like mm-hmm. he, he writes and records it in his range and it sounds fine. Yeah. But when he was singing the anger songs tonight you could tell he was really stretching you yeah. know i mean it was another sort of blaze situation although maybe less obvious because edu was was pretty good when he started yeah like on rebirth he was he was really good I yeah, would say. Well, but then like can... as time went on his voice just got his his vocal range just got you know right well it's because i think he could do the stuff but it was the kind of stuff that uh even when he wasn't singing the really high notes, the melodies were written so high in his range that uh, as someone who also used to exclusively write songs very high in my own range, which was a very bad idea most of the time, uh, it's just, it's exhausting, right? Especially if you're not like used to doing stuff to prevent it from like wearing out your vocal cords. Uh, so. I think early on it was like, yeah, I could do this. And in the studio, he was probably just like, fuck yeah, I'll sing high and shit. And then he started going on the road and it was like, I'm supposed to sing all of these notes every, especially on that, <laughs> that first album he was on, you know, yeah. which was like the transitional album. Then they kind of gave him a little bit of what he wanted and he kind of got to do more of the kind of kind of lower yeah, stuff. Yeah, so Temple of Shadows, right? Tem- Temple of yeah. Shadows, a little of the guttural stuff. Uh, the one that followed that, Aurora Consurgeons, he started to sing in his, in his natural range on that one. But if you've ever heard the um, the Rebirth demos that he did, um, he, you know, which is what they did before releasing Rebirth, mm-hmm. he sounds, it sounds like Andre Matos is singing really? Rebirth. Yes. Oh, wow. It's not, like, you hear Edu trying to, reproduce andre's yeah. uh high high voice uh and it doesn't really come across quite that way but yeah. with these demos it sounded like yeah. andre matos was singing oh wow the songs from rebirth yeah. Yeah, i'm gonna have to track that down yeah, yeah. Matt, matt johnson has it hmm. and that's crazy because like that's the thing like andre matos is a really like he's a really high tenor like his low notes are pretty high you know yeah. like everything he sings is way up there so it's crazy to be like, because and you can hear just from when Edu talks, you know that that's not right. His ring, yeah. Andre sings Wuthering Heights in Kate Bush's register. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, I would have liked to see him. He was uh, scheduled to headline one year with like a solo band, which I assume would have been like just a, a bunch of Angra and uh, Shaman songs. And yeah, I yeah, really and like one of the Shaman discs. Um, yeah, the first. Yeah, the one. first Shaman disc yeah, is yeah, really good. Yeah. And the yeah, first exactly. and the first Andre Matos disc is really good too, so oh yeah yeah time to be free yeah uh, yes that would have been really cool but uh, it was one of those ones that didn't make it um, and and likely never will apparently yeah I, it I was hear one of, he's got some issues yeah it, well it yeah I mean that's a f- visa. yeah I, that's what I heard man I mean maybe it's a rumor well I don't I also don't know what like uh, Andre Matos it's it, the um, the way that he kind of like 
reappears. I mean, it's hard to tell because he's Brazilian, so I don't know what the Brazilian scene is like, and if like, uh, like so I don't know like how popular Alma is in Brazil or uh, how you know I know uh, Angra is huge in Brazil, obviously. Yeah, and everywhere right here pretty much right right <laughs> everywhere that it's acceptable uh to and listen Japan to metal and um northern europe and all but not, yeah. not here no. yeah, what's weird is what's weird is that uh as metal is becoming more acceptable in the u.s that kind of metal still isn't yeah it's like the new wave of american metal is like we're just gonna yeah no we're not going back to that we're gonna go over here we're all really angry. <laughs> I think there are probably still too many people who would associate power metal with like hair metal. Yeah. Well, what, well here's the interesting like the thing. The imagery, though. So, right? You know, like the long hair right. and the guys like. So I did. Uh, we recorded an episode of the podcast that will probably. Uh, well, it's weird to say it on here because I haven't decided if I want to like bump it a week for this one to post this after Prog Power or play that one first and then play this one. And it's going to be weird because on there we talk about one of the bands that's actually playing Prog Power now. But I don't know if they had been announced yet. I think they might have actually been announced as the replacement the day that we did the podcast about it. Interesting. The, uh, which is Unleash the Archers. But the episode was, and this is a little unfair to them, because uh, my it was a weird spur of the moment one where we didn't do a ton of preparation, but it was on gimmick metal. And the thing is, it's a tricky term because it's kind of inherently derogatory because it's implying like you are your gimmick. Uh, but on the other hand... Uh, gimmicks can be, have become such an inherent part of certain types of metal that it, it shouldn't necessarily be derogatory. And that was part of what we talked about in the episode is I was like, look, I'm not saying that all these bands suck because they have gimmicks. I'm just saying, let's examine what it means to be a band that has a fucking gimmick. Because uh, a lot of them do now. And right. I feel like to a certain point, unless it was... like there, I, I, It feels like there are more than there used to be. It feels like there are more gimmick bands or at least more bands who are like, we need a gimmick or are just like, or, or maybe I mean, I'm sure they don't think about it that way, but you know, like, well, so like when you say gimmick, there's a like, lot of more people wearing armor on stage. Yeah, okay. So like Odin's organ, and they were wearing the tire treads. And Odin's organ. That's what they should be called. Um, right, right, and and it's part of the. That's the thing. It's not just. It's not even just costumery. Right. It's that it's like a, the theme of the band. That's what makes it a gimmick. It's part of the thing. Is like, it's the thing we do because it relates to the. Music. Well, yeah. Somehow. I mean, it's a, yeah, they're, they're trying to project an image, right? Right. And so, you know, they're gonna they're gonna engage in tropes that are associated with with getting people to go like, yeah, metal. Right. Exactly. And uh, but that's weird. <laughs> like, so. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, some people aren't just in it for the music. Well, look, it's like it's like Kiss. Yeah. Okay. As Kiss. I mean, but, that's 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 really like the, that's where even, it starts, right? I feel like even Kiss though didn't write anything about their gimmick until Psycho Circus. Right? Did they ever acknowledge that they're a bunch of clowns in earlier stuff? I don't think so. But finally, they're like, yeah, fine, man, fine. You want to make fun of us for wearing makeup? Fine, we're clowns. We're fucking rock and roll clowns. Do a lot of cocaine. So, uh, but, I do cocaine. but uh, that was when they put the makeup back on. They were like, we're putting the makeup back on, and this album's called Psycho Circus. And so it's like, we're acknowledging the gimmick, right? Um, but now, like, and I know a bunch of these, so I don't want to just repeat the episode. The point being, a lot of them are power metal bands. And I feel like power metal has sort of 
the well has run dry. Well, yeah. I mean, how how <laughs> how distinct how distinctive can power metal really be? Right. It's a bunch That's of double bass drums. Right. right. And so and so, so the only way to distinguish rather, themselves is by throwing armor on and rather being like, than Zapatar. find a way to distinguish yourself musically. Right. You need to find a way to distinguish yourself visually or thematically. Well, right, because people are fans of the image that is right. being presented more so than the music that is being played. Right. right. I mean, which is terrible. But well, speaking, I mean, speaking as and a, why I have a podcast, and, and yes. you should feel right. bad. And speaking as somebody who has a marginal interest in in power metal, um, you know, I only I, I've been un, I've been pretty unexcited about power metal for several years now. Um, and it's just like the the, the the big bands have just come and gone. Anger's they haven't yeah. put out a good album in a few. Gamma Ray hasn't put out a good album in a few. But every now and Gamma then, Ray is not even trying to play power metal anymore. Right. So, but every now and then, like a new power metal artist comes out and writes a really great album, like this Ghost Ship Octavius. Have you heard that? Oh, that I haven't really listened to him. But here's the thing: uh, uh, they uh, the guy's a comparison guy, oh, so okay. his stuff's all over the comparison group. Yeah. In fact. I think I might have seen him here. I saw a dude with the Ghost Ship Octavius shirt, and he looked familiar. And I think it might be that dude from from that band. What he's in, um, but if I see him again, I'm uh, especially at the party or whatever, I might just be like, "Yeah, the, you play comparison." Um, yeah, me too. Me too. Buddy. It's cool. There's wasn't it, isn't it like a like a Lamb of God guy and and Van Williams from Nevermore? And... Well, Van Williams is in uh, Ashes of Aries. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's also. You're right. No, GSO. you're right. He is. The, yeah, you're right. He's on that too. Yeah. Right, because I couldn't quite tell if it was like, uh, if it's like like a project, yeah, or if I it's like a real band kind I of thing. Don't even know. Um, but the uh, and I really wish I could think of the other dude's name right now, because um, like I said, yeah, I've heard of them and. Yeah. I've well, heard I mean, the, the reason why I bring that up is just that if you can't distinguish yourself by like really good songwriting yeah. as a power metal band. The, the only other thing to do is to put on funny makeup but the other and, thing I was and wear say tire is, treads and stuff. I didn't really think of Ghost Ship Octavius as power metal because they kind of... Uh, I'm trying to say, they fit into a newer scene, which is... Uh, and again, I haven't listened to them, so I don't know. Like, how are the, what are the vocals like? Because that's the main thing. Well, it's they're like, clean. Are they clean? Um, they're clean, power metal vocals. Oh, uh, okay. the, the music is uh, a high, sort of moderately technical power metal mm. um uh but the some of the melodic passages are pretty sublime too okay. i mean it's mm. it's probably the best power metal record of the year mm. okay cool i'll definitely have to give it a listen i've heard like I said, i've heard clips i haven't like listened to the yeah. actual album though but yeah it sounded really good but it sounded good and i so that i didn't think of it as power metal it sounded yeah, in such a way right. that i was like this is cool. definitely not power, power metal, metal. whereas like possibly be right. power metal but right? then at the show tonight <laughs> i saw alma and I saw Dragonland, and both times I went power metal. Yeah. Okay. So I know what to expect for the rest of the set now. Yeah. And uh, which is why I was saying I was, but I was pondering. I was like, uh, Dragonland. I was like, they're doing pretty much the same kind of thing. But I was like, wait, wait. But Dragonland has keyboards. Alma doesn't have keyboards. And I was like, oh yeah, but they're still doing the same thing. So well, I was like, there wasn't a keyboardist on the stage, but right. but you know but they, they were playing like, to a backing track. Oh yeah, they had. Tra- I didn't. Uh, yeah, I guess I didn't notice. But uh, yeah, yeah, exactly right. You probably have tracks if nothing else. But I think that's the interesting thing about power metal is if if you do if you have keyboards, it sounds like Dungeons and Dragons usually. Uh, but that's usually the choice <laughs> of the keyboard sounds. Because again, the other issue with keyboards and metal is people don't try to come up with unique sounds. 
they're just like either programming the dream theater sounds <laughs> or programming the power metal sounds and then use those sounds um but if you don't have keyboards in a power metal band then I, i'm just like where's the rest of the music because uh which is one of my issues with unleash the archers is there a, a power metal band uh with no keyboards but it almost sounds like there should be uh and again I, there probably is some some, some like bed Maybe I'm, although actually, maybe, I don't think there is. I think, because that's the thing, it, it sounds dry and like something's missing. And right. it's because normally, at least power metal, the part of the reason I think that it can get so sing songy, uh, which is both inherently desirable in the genre and undesirable outside of it, is because the keyboards fill in the extra harmonic content that a power chord doesn't do, right? And so if you take away the keyboards, but you still keep playing just your like power chords and yeah. your, your root chugs, then there's less music, you know, and it's just, yeah. So yeah, totally. That's the problem. Um, power metal. But yes, what, but what get, you said is how also how I feel about power metal only, uh, to the point where I stopped listening to it. Cause yeah, I, I mean, so. I stopped listening to it for several years too, you know, and yeah. it was only, I think last year that I started to notice these power metal bands that had actually put out like pretty decent records. And I, hadn't really given him a chance. Yeah, um, I'm going to have to start checking some of this stuff out because I gave up on Power Metal like 10 years ago. I mean, there's just really yeah. nothing interesting going on in Power Metal, at least right. there wasn't at the time. Right, and there's and again, there's this weird uh it's it's like it's 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 like I feel like Power Metal has like walled itself off that's, from well, some that's other what it is, types right? of metal. So, yeah. So, so Power Metal is 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 like thrash. It's kind of a highly structured genre. Yeah. You know, once you like you're saying G GSO isn't Power Metal. Because they do all these other things. Well, you may be right about that. Because once you stop doing the power metal stuff and start doing, you're no longer you're no longer power metal. Then you're proggy. You've you've yeah you're proggy. You've yeah, transcended right. a little. But here's the so like uh, right, and that's the thing. The the power metal bands I like the most, which were the ones that people wanted to call like uh, power prog or something or evergrey. Uh, well, yeah, that's, but, that's what people used to call like but, Symphony X, right? Right, and that's the tricky thing because again, yeah, I don't even want to call Evergrey power metal now because they don't sound like all the other power. That's the problem with power metal is right. like to truly be power metal, you have to be right. uninteresting enough to be <laughs> just power metal. <laughs> and if you start to innovate or do something interesting, and that's the thing, you don't have to innovate that much to be like Prague, right? Like, yeah. like, uh, like Labyrinth, right? They really. It never hit actual progressive, but it was that same thing. Like there was enough interesting going on, and they were just trying to write interesting riffs, and uh, and not uh, not sticking just to the formula. There was enough of the formula there. Like you knew it was power metal, but uh, I don't know. They were just still trying to do more interesting things, and it still it didn't become full prog. It wasn't prog, right? It's not prog metal, but it's still way more interesting. Right. Whereas I do feel like Evergrey borders on Prague just because, uh, oh, yeah, they, they they're definitely above that, yeah, above this, that line. Yeah, you know, well, they, and they you do. know, multiple concept albums. Like, right. there's a lot. There's enough other things. They don't need to be they like. They don't need to play in seven eight in uh, all the time to be uh, progressive. Right. Well, I also feel like like uh, power metal nowadays means what we used to call Euro power metal like 10, 15 yes. years ago. Yes. Like nobody, you know, there used to be like this distinction between Euro power metal, which was like Stradivarius and Gamma Ray and whatnot, right? And right. then like American power metal, which was like Iced Earth and... Yeah. You know, and so in that that second 
apart. The American power metal has kind of disappeared. Right. right? Or or has moved into which like what I think Ghost Ship Octavius I think intends to be is more like like heavier, like like modern like the sort of new wave of American metal, like, you know, Lamb of God kinda more more thrash and death metal influences, but then well, we'll sing melodically, right? And that's it's actually a pretty decent description. Yeah, for not really having heard it. That's well, I, yeah, I've <laughs> heard. Much, I, I have heard yeah. some, but I just can't think of like the vocals right, and stuff. Right. And it might be because a lot of what I heard might have been before it was like done because right. they posted previews and stuff. They even did a video where the dude uh, they gave him some of the um, the new C two like. Um, like affordable line of comparisons and they sent him some and he like used them on the album and they gave away one that he used on the album as like a promotion and uh and stuff like that but uh yeah and that guy he posts on there a lot and he's heavily involved in their stuff now um but yeah i just hadn't actually gotten around to sitting down and like listening to the album yeah. which i've i have meant to and yeah. uh everything i've heard has sounded pretty good so uh and well and some of the other compar- new comparison dudes who i i am not familiar with when i have listened to their bands it's in that area and it's not quite power metal or at least they wouldn't probably want you to call it that <laughs> but but yeah but it's still uh i mean there's still more like that's the part of it is that you almost need somebody at some point to show up and go rah, 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 just so that everyone knows you're not a power metal band you know what i mean <laughs> like if you if you sing cleanly you gotta be you know uh well then by that Definition: Alma doesn't qualify as a power metal well, band. No, but that's on a, several songs. Well, but that's why it's even rah, that. Rah. Even power metal bands are starting to do that now, yeah, right? right? Like uh, Unleash the Archers has some of that. Um, I mean, Amaranth is the best example. Just like <laughs> we just have some douchebag growl a bunch, and that'll make it way heavier and cooler. It's like it sounds so weird <laughs> when you're listening to this pop song. And it's like. And it has to match that pop rhythm, right? And I don't know what any words he's ever said are, you know? Uh, so, yeah. So, Sorry. And stay tuned for our future Amaranth episode that's going to happen eventually. And I'm sure it'll be great. But yeah, so. Uh, yeah, well, we could end it here if you want. No, I mean, I was or, just, I was just yeah, I mean, <laughs> Well, we, we started out by talking about Prog Power 2 and then drifted off into... Right, <laughs> which is what always happens. Um, right, the only way we, we actually ever stick to a plan is if we actually do make, like, outline or at least, like, yeah. you know, well, notes I mean, of the... But I prefer... We, it's better this way. Yeah, this is yeah, what podcasts fun, are like. Right? You know, so. all the... Uh, I My, my uh, reference is always like, well... Uh, Joe Rogan doesn't ever, you know what I mean? Like, like if Joe Rogan can get away with it, uh, then, you know, it doesn't require more thought than that, I guess. But well, I mean, we didn't talk about last night's show. Like, so we talked about tonight, but we really Uh, never covered, uh, Evergrave, Voyager, Ashes of Aries. It's, that's true. Okay. I came in, I came in for Ashes of Aries, uh, wasn't there another band or was Ashes of Aries a first band? Halcyon Way. Oh yeah. Local band. Maybe I shouldn't talk about Halcyon Way. Uh, <laughs> or I could just say what I said before, which is that Halcyon Way is that band that I've seen them open. I've seen them open yeah. like New York shows too. Like they've gotten like the opening opener slot, uh, which is when, you know, a local band's like tagged on or whatever um, on a lot of stuff. And I'm always like, 
who are those guys again? Have I heard them? I'm not sure. Oh, let me make sure I get there. And and then as soon as I get there, I'm like, oh, yeah, I've heard these guys. All right. Um, well, let me know when the next band is on. All right. So. Well, there was, there was like that one band that was doing the, the pirate thing for several years. They were touring all the oh, time. Oh, Blackguard. Yeah. Blackguard. Yeah. yeah. They yeah. were opening every tour. Yeah. So for like a year, I, I, well, I saw did, them on like four tours. Did Prog Power make that happen? Because I swear, they did that at Prog Power one year, and everyone was like, who are these guys? Because they were like... <laughs> They weren't like in the power metal scene, even though as like a piratey metal band, they right. could fit. Right. But you could tell that they weren't like right. They weren't like part of the whole like you know Gamma Rays are heroes crew. And but it was good. It was good. And they they filled in at the last minute for somebody. And people were like, I, th- I remember people ahead of time being like, oh, I don't know what this crap's gonna be. Yeah. But then people were like, oh no, shit, no, what the hell? Were actually and really unhappy yeah. that they were added to the bill. And then for two years after that, they were on every metal, every yeah. power metal tour. Yeah. They were just like, black. Maybe they were like, this is how we're gonna do it, guys. We found our way in. Right. And so they just started calling up power metal bands, being like, yo, we saw you got a tour coming up. Turns out your fans like us. Can we be on your tour? Yeah, another band that's like Hell's with for me is the agonist which you you, you covered in heavy montreal yes. um i know i am positive i've seen them at least three times but did I you see them with the old singer say. did you see them with Alyssa before she yeah, was in our this enemy? Is, uh, yeah i can't say which tours i saw them on like maybe one of them was atheist or something but um yeah it was, this is going back several years so this is before the singer changed because yeah, well, she moved to right that's probably Arch how enemy right yeah that's probably how she got it because uh yeah they were on all those tours and and they were really good. And then she left, and it was like, oh, was that was that why that band was good? I think that was why that band was good. Yeah, maybe. I mean, they're all right. Uh, they do need another vocalist, though. The new one is not not so good. Um, though I do appreciate seeing them because she was the one who was like, start a circle pit around that tree. <laughs> and- and yeah. they did. And right? they did. It was terrific. <laughs> so then there was Ashes of Aries. <laughs> I really have nothing to say about Ashes of Aries. Oh. Yeah, I mean, I basically... <laughs> <laughs> That's what Matt Barlow said. No, Matt Barlow's yeah. a great singer. I really like him, but I like him better in Iced Earth. I need... I need somebody needs to write songs. Um, I don't know. I feel like the, like the sound is very similar to Iced Earth, but the yeah. songwriting isn't there. Right, right. So uh, the bass player... Oh, I can't remember her name right now. Um, the bass player, oh, no, sorry, he's a guitar player in Ashes of Aries, but he was a bass player in Iced Earth, and that's how they they got started. And then they also recruited the other guitar. They recruited the other guitar player later, but they uh, the bass player for Iced Earth and Matt Barlow. He became a guitar player. He wrote the songs. It's kind of like his band, him and Barlow. And then they got Van Williams on drums. And that was the other thing. I was like, is Van bored? Cause he should be, cause he's so good, yeah. And he's playing like kind of stuff, and I was just like Van, like, cause you can play in like a like, or, or again, maybe it would be more out of place if he was like overplaying fills all the time and like syncopating the crap out of stuff. That's really straightforward, but still, I was like, he used to be a Nevermore, right? right. Like, damn. But well, if if he is in GSO, which I'm pretty sure he is, he's, oh, yeah, he's that, got his yeah, work cut out for him. Right, there, and that's well, that's where he's probably getting his his, yeah. his kicks more because that's yeah. I really do need to listen to Ghost Show. But I, I have a hard time believing that Ashes of Aries is his bread and butter. Right. Well, yeah. Right. I don't I think mean, it's anybody's not exactly, bread and butter. Yeah, it's not exactly <laughs> it's, Iced Earth. It's like my my feeling is 
the day that Loomis's arch enemy gig ends is the day there's going to be a big Nevermore reunion. And, uh, well, unless Ghostship Octavius is, uh, does really well, maybe. I don't know. But I feel like... Uh, I think they're more of a boutique band than, yeah. you know... Like general, yeah. Well, it's appeal. new though. It's like, new too. I think it's yeah. like this is their first. Isn't this like the first album, right? Yeah, they just just, yeah. just yeah. Uh, and it's a bunch of dudes who who are in other bands and stuff, and That's then right. they're for a new thing, and yep. it's it's cool. Um, and then, but yeah, the thing with Ashes Berries is, yeah, it always sounds good, but I'm like, yeah, they need like a songwriter or something <laughs> in there. Yeah, they do. That's um, that, that 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 right there is your the problem with power model it's you a, know it's like it's a it's they, a problem i have with a lot of music i see a lot of cases where i'm well like i really like elise from from amaranth, amaranth yeah. just not an amaranth yeah, i mean she's a she's a really good vocalist right. right but like she needs a better band right. is she in anything else or is that it well okay so she was uh well i mean i first heard her because she was doing camelot stuff right that's right yeah uh and then she was on she's been on like she's done guest appearances on a bunch of stuff and she did that Timo Tolki album. Like Timo oh. Tolki's Avalon or whatever. Oh, okay. So not the not the terrible one. Well, I wouldn't say it was great, <laughs> but I mean I I don't know. I only heard the one song because there's a video and it's a video with Elise and Timo Tolki and they're just like in like a big like a, like one of those apartments that Purely, somebody owns to rent out for people to shoot videos in. You know, like huge glass windows and like a big spiral staircase. I think no one could ever possibly live here. Everything is super white and like overlit, and it's like whatever. But I mean, it doesn't. Nothing happens. Like there's no theme. It's just that's where they are, and they cut back and forth between Timo and her. And it wasn't an amazing song or anything. I, I was, yeah, it was the same thing though. That's my point. So it was a re- recurring theme of like somebody who I would like, but I've yet to hear her in a thing where somebody wrote something good for her. You know what okay. I mean? Yeah. So that's that's yeah. my recurring yeah, problem. I would, yeah, I definitely music. wouldn't be looking to Timo Toki for that. No, right, exactly. Yeah. And so there's a lot of, especially with singers. I hear a lot of singers because that's one thing where you can really, if you're a really good singer, you can do bad stuff and people can still tell you're a good singer. You know. Um, well, no, and, and eventually you get better gigs, right? right? I mean, you find a, a band that is more well, of your caliber. Theoretically, or hypothetically. Well, I mean, but she's still young. I've she's got it, time. Right, but I've seen it not happen. I mean, I don't, think it, I don't have like a, a top ten list of like favorite people with like wasted potential or anything, but like <laughs> when they come off, I know who they are. Uh, but yeah, no, she should do so. Well, and that was always my thing is like, I, like uh, I was always like, I should just like write something and then just be like, hey, you should sing this. It's a good song. It's better than all the other shit you did. Check this out. Yeah, we'll so see one of these how that days, works out for you. At some point, no, at some point, that'll be, like, when I run out of other, like, weird ideas for stuff to do, I'll just do a, like, find people who need someone to write better shit for them <laughs> project. I'll call it, like, uh, give him back. Give him back to the metal community. No, it was, it's like, uh pro bono work <laughs> but not but i but but with the idea that it would hopefully make money because it would be good music but well then it wouldn't be no it wouldn't by be definition pro bono, pro bono work. Uh, <laughs> no i need like my i don't want to say charity i, work, I think they call but, it songwriting yeah, right what but what calling. is it what is it called when you i don't know <laughs> Being uh, someone's bitch i have no, no idea. but who's, the who's opposite. that guy that writes all the pop songs Oh, you mean uh, the great Satan, Max Martin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you could be that um, for metal. No, but well, right, no, and that would be uh, all right. 
that would maybe that's what maybe that's what power metal needs. Once I do my homophony <laughs> album and nobody gets that it's a joke, then we'll see what right. happens. Well, it's not a joke, but it's uh, inherently satirical. Which right. actually, uh, actually, no, we'll, we'll talk about that off podcast. I have some some interesting <laughs> like, thoughts about that. That should um, not be put that should down not tape. be publicly. Recorded yet? Okay, so cool. I, I want to, you know, regarding the Voyager set. Yes, I want to get your point of view on this. Okay, but how wrong was it that they, that the fans chose "I am the I am the Revolution" well, versus I universe? Well, I went to get food, so that should tell you something. Oh, towards okay. the well, towards the end though. Okay, here's yeah. the thing. I saw them last week. I saw right, Evergreen right. Voyager okay. in New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They both were super kick ass. Evergreen Voyager are two of the very very few bands who are not like fully progressive and like super out there like they're not pain of salvation or leprous but they're good they're consistently good live and they don't sound like other people and they have something unique and interesting about them and that's really all i want from any band so voyagers but 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 i don't listen to voyager a whole lot and because their songs are kind of hit or miss for me and the funny thing is, I, I've kind of ended up settling on Universe as my favorite because yeah. you, partially well, you said that. And well, I was yeah. like, the older one? I don't know if I ever listened to that that much. I mean, I do like uh, that song Sober, but now it's so- Sober, Pulse 04 is on there. Right. And then... Cross the Line. Cross the Line, yeah. right. Those all three songs, those three right songs are all right fantastic right songs. Right in the middle of yes. the album. Bing, bing, yes. bing. They also really... You know what I think it partially is also is that album really had the balance of like... It almost sounds like Aha started a metal band, you know. Like, yeah. no, and then they've, and I think it's uh, as the production has gotten more and more metal and more like probably higher budget, which also weirdly means more probably overly modern in terms of the way it is, is produced at times. Um, the metal starts to take over, you know, and and push out the like the Depeche Mode the, stuff. Depeche Depeche Mode stuff. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's still some of it, and and I do I haven't listen to the new one a whole lot but yeah i am the revolution i really like lost but as an album it didn't yeah, I, yeah. that was why i tried i tried to listen to i'm the revolution when i was first getting into them and instead i switched to universe yeah. that's what because happened and so inherently so i agree with you and right ha, so i no, I, I was there for a lot of it but there was a certain point where i was i was just trying to logistically figure out how and when i was going to eat so i was and i didn't and i wanted to see evergrey uh also so i was like well if i miss the last song or two of this album, I won't mind, and I can get food. Actually, I made it back before they even finished. Yeah. Okay. So it, yeah, it worked fine. But um, yeah, I was not. I was. I mean, I I was disappointed to hear that the fans had voted for yeah. I Am the Revolution" as the album to be played. Because I well, and actually no, and the funny thing is, we were standing right next to Simone at the bar before uh, before Barlow's band went on, and uh, I asked her. I, I said, "Any chance you could just." you know, mutiny and play universe instead. <laughs> and she said uh, that she was surprised that we'd all picked I Am the Revolution, that yeah. she thought for sure it would be the meaning of I. Oh. That yeah, which, thought, which also would have been better than right. yeah. I Am the Revolution. Yeah. Right, exactly. And, yeah. um, you know, she, she, I mean, she was fine with playing I Am the Revolution, but she was surprised that it wasn't the meaning of I. And yeah. I, like, I, the way I feel about, actually, well, the way I feel about I Am the Revolution and the most recent one V is it's it's perfectly fine songwriting. When I'm listening to it, I'm like, yeah, this sounds pretty good, but I can't remember anything 
when I step away from it, I'm just, I don't even, it, nothing sticks. It doesn't stick. Yeah. So, but, but the meaning of I has a couple of really great songs on it. And of course, you already mentioned the songs on Universe, so. Either one of those would have been better choices, in my opinion. But you gotta go with what the fans want. Hopefully, they were at least smart enough to pick the right songs for the fans. Pick the set list on tomorrow night's yeah, show. Yeah, that'll be interesting. <laughs> and we don't have to listen to you well, know, five or six songs get, from I Am the Revolution I feel like again. <laughs> there's, I feel like there's no way we're not gonna at least get one or two of those three songs we mentioned yeah, I because so. I feel like everyone, like I feel like I've heard them play all of them. I know. Okay, well they and, played Pulse of Four when they played four years ago. Yeah. So and they definitely played sober and i've heard them play cross the line although i don't know if they specifically played i've never that heard one. them play cross the but line but they're one of those bands i've heard i've heard I've, I've seen a few times now and so i can't like uh and i always enjoy them so i uh, it's like evergrey right i can't pinpoint right. which show i saw, heard which song in evergrey or whatever in the past but uh but no but they're great and they're totally one of those bands that anytime they want to book them for prog power i will not complain no. and i will watch them well at their previous performance they did this pretty ripping 80s medley too which yeah. I'm, I'm oh oh so so they did that in new york okay good uh, yeah, yeah. which we had forgotten about and then as they did it we're like rich and i were like oh yeah this is a thing they do yeah and uh oh fuck what was the one but they but they they did the uh backstreets back uh, was the song where i was not okay with them putting that in the medley i was like no no um, but yeah, but they, they did that, uh, in New York too. But yeah, so like, I, well, that was the other thing. I was like, I'm going to see them again to, uh, Friday. So I'll miss a couple songs and get food. And I, I don't even know what song I missed because it's yeah. on, uh, it's not now me the resolutions to. Yeah. Pretty much. And then, uh, Evergrey was pretty close to the New York set, although they did add Mark of the Triangle. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, which which no the Kelly's whole thing in new york was dance. we were just like like rich at one point rich really loudly yelled i am the tri- uh, mark of the triangle and uh and i think people a bunch of people were heard and we're like mm-hmm. uh but yeah. they didn't do it they so, did sarah showed us the set list and it was like the same except for that one plus yeah. plus the uh the, the particular monday morning apocalypse song was different yeah they played uh last night they played obedience and I think at your show they played Monday Morning Apocalypse. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like I forget that. which. I was yeah. I was just. I was like, oh, this is the Monday Morning Apocalypse. Uh, but yeah, no. It was. A, it's a great set list. It was very much like a almost retrospective. You know, a little bit of. You know. I thought it was great. I just. Stuff. I wish that there were more aliens. Honestly, like, yeah. I really love the shocking truth. Yeah, and I, I was disappointed that yeah. he didn't play. Oh yeah, that's, that's a lot of people got got bored with Tom's like stupid sci-fi shit. But I actually <laughs> really like it. Like that's you know the first three albums better that than child abuse. Yeah, well, th- yeah. There's there's yeah. only so much of that I can take, right? I mean, you start right. getting into wrist slitting territory there, right? Yeah, well, it's all, it's it's all pretty gray, much wrist so, No, the know. alien stuff that's not wrist slitting territory unless you actually have abduction memories. Yeah, <laughs> I um, feel very sorry for those people. Yeah. Well, and I'm trying to remember. Does it end up actually being aliens? What's the, or is one of those things where it turns out to be like the government or something? I f- I forget I the actual story of the album. Is, yeah, I, yeah. I, I think I, there I, is supposed to be some sort of a, a twister thing. Yeah, I think I found end, out but, only a couple of years ago that it was actually supposed to be a concept album. I was like, oh, oh yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Watching the skies, yeah. Master planets and dark waters. Yeah, yeah that's a great song. Yeah, it yeah. is a great song. Yeah. My favorite song yeah. on that disc. But uh, yeah, we had a we had a, the day they did a, a recreation day uh, last night, powered, and they did it again today. Oh yeah, acoustic. They did the acoustic one. Yeah, oh, nice. 
And uh, unlike last night, we didn't all sing along at full volume while they were playing it because it would have drowned everybody else out. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I started singing some of the some of the lines, and by sing, I'm using air quotes yeah. because I can't sing. And some guy turned around and gave me a stink eye, so I stopped. Yeah. Give him a stink eye right back. <laughs> yeah, and they uh, don't and they, tell me how to rock. In the, in the set this afternoon, they closed on Wasted Years. They're like, really? he, Tom goes, I, I don't want you all to go back to your basements and kill yourselves, so we're going to end on a high note. <laughs> that's, a great, that's a great thing to say. For yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they were really good. Um, yeah, the, the other thing with the acoustic shows, and part of why I, I gave up on them, is they're always so early. And so. Yeah, you got to roll out of bed. Pretty early if for most. A of lot them. of the times when it comes down to sleep versus acoustic show, 